Protection again, launch downfield. Watkins wide open, touchdown. Eagles go quick. Hurts reads it, throws it, touchdown. Devontae Smith. Hurts again all day, going deep for the end zone. He's got it. Smith in for the touchdown. Mahomes gets away to the end zone. Caught. Watson, touchdown. Mahomes escaping. On the move, Mahomes stops, spins, flips it forward for the touchdown to Edward Hilaire. Looking for James, he's got it. LeBron James, a shot in history. The Jet Show Blitz, here they come. Back to throw Rivers, backpedaling. Throws a lob down the right sideline. Jackson has it knocked away by Rivas. Off the deflection, Rivas picks it up. I think it's an interception. He has it. He's back at the 20-yard line. Blockers out in front, out to the 23. Darrell Rivas somehow on his back, found the loose ball, and picks it off. You're listening to another edition of Sports Today with Peter J. Here's your host, Peter J. Mulroy. Just an awesome week in sports. You get the LeBron record, all-time leading scorer now in NBA history. It's it's almost tough to think of him in that sense because he does so much more than that. Now he's 37 years old. Um, But LeBron defensively throughout his career has been remarkable i still don't think he gets enough credit there now all-time leading scorer in nba history kareem in the building to basically pass the torch to him that was cool that was really cool you get the nfl award ceremonies last night brian dable um coach of the year patty mahomes who will see sunday in the super bowl league mvp a couple of no-brainers there and then you get big news later in the week as far as the pro football hall of fame is concerned joe klecko gets in i mean that in itself made this week in sports so special for joe klecko and believe me we're we're going to talk plenty of super bowl got some prop bets for you our buddy pat pickens comes on in about 15 minutes from now for those listening lives the great blue uh bruce shine will join us right around 6.30, 6.35. Again, for those listening live, they break down what's going to take place Sunday in the Super Bowl. But for me, being a New Yorker, Joe Klecko getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame is remarkable. And it took too damn long. 35-year wait. Think about this. 35-year wait. For a guy who had a storied career at Temple, later round draft pick, part of an aggressive, dominant 
front four for the New York Jets. 20 years he waited as a modern era candidate and another 15 in the senior ranks finally gets the call that he's going to Canton. I mean, imagine how he feels. Guy's been charismatic his whole life, right? Very stoic, but he had charisma, did some TV work, right? Smokey and the Bandit, things of that nature, a lot of commercials. Big, strong guy, good-looking guy, obviously very athletic. Now he finally gets this call 35 years later, and he's going to join Darrell Revis, who gets into the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility as clear-cut of a no-brainer as there is. That guy's got a freaking island named after him. Revis Island, now going to have some real estate in Canton. Again, in his first year of eligibility. And you heard some of the highlights for both players in the open, specifically Darrell Revis. I mean, you just didn't throw his way. And I think it's so interesting that Revis gets in in his first crack in 2023. After you just watched a rookie in Sauce Gardner have one of the best rookie campaigns we've seen in the National Football League, maybe ever. But certainly, uh, as recency comes in, I really can't think of uh, as an effective and dominant defensive back as Sauce Gardner was. Forget about being a rookie. He was the best at his position this year in the entire league which is saying something. I know James Bradbury had a great year. Nothing against him. Obviously going to play for a title on Sunday. But for Sauce Gardner to have the type of year that he had, drawing Revis comparisons, and this is the year that Revis gets in, in his first crack, that's cool. I'm not even a Jet fan. This is awesome. This is an awesome, awesome moment for Jet fans, number one, and for the New York sports scene. It's going to be pretty special to watch these guys you know, Klecko's 69 years old now. I believe he was a sixth-round draft pick. 1977, 78, whatever it was. Now he's going with Darrell, six others, Rondé Barber, one of them. This is a hell of a class. But for Joe Klecko and Darrell Rivas, the quote that they had for them was pretty incredible. Yeah, I'd say that's an understatement. These guys are deserving, and Klecko. You couldn't, you know, I've been fortunate enough over throughout doing my various broadcasting uh, gigs over the years to cover some pretty big games. And along the way, I've worked with some big names. I did, I've done a couple of the, uh, the high school contests with Marty Lyon, who obviously knows Klecko really well. I mean, don't think that conversation never came up. I mean, it was a glaring omission that Joe Klecko was not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Don't have to worry about it anymore. Because he is, and he's going in, and he's going in with Revis. A couple minutes after six on the East Coast Live. Thanks again for tuning in Sports Today with Peter J. A special Friday primetime edition. Now, again, some of you have been messaging me on social media, and I appreciate it. No show tomorrow, because I finally came. I finally, finally caved. My, my wife and I are running a 5K. She's a marathoner. She's done two New York City marathons. Been begging me, do a half, do a 10K. I said, you are outside your mind if you think I'm running a freaking marathon. 
Props to you. I know that's not easy. Not happening. That's what I said. Been saying not going to happen, not going to happen, not going to happen. Start running a couple weeks ago. Lost about 12 pounds. Feel great. I'm actually enjoying it more than I ever thought. I only ever did interval running. I was a high school and college tennis player. Uh, little sprinting, but never distance running. And I'm going to run a 5K tomorrow in about 30-degree weather in Westfield, in Westfield, New Jersey. So no show tomorrow at the regular hour for those listening live. I'll be back the following Saturday, and we're going to get really into the – it'll be the first show we've done where we don't have football really at the top of the food chain, if you will, which makes today's show all that more important. I mentioned Patty Pickens, our buddy from the game day, is going to come on. He's got some really good appetizing prop bets to go over. The guys and girls over at game day do a great job. They're on top of this stuff on a daily basis, right? Links in, if, if you're a fan dueler, a draft kinger like myself, this is the segment you want to catch when Pat comes on. Obviously, we had him last week, huge hockey guy. And, and obviously, big-time news for the Rangers acquiring Vladimir Tarasenko from the Blues, giving up the first-round pick. So Patty comes on last week to talk about hockey, and all that happened. So he'll be on about 10 minutes from now, as he's heading home from work, to talk about some of the big prop bets for Sunday Super Bowl. About 20, 25 minutes from now, Bruce Shine, Emmy Award-winning producer, friend of the program, going to come on as well. Nobody's a bigger Bruce Schrein fan than I am. And Bruce is going to not only discuss the Super Bowl, which obviously is the biggest story, but there still seems to be some angst amongst the baseball lifers, the baseball community. Not just that Scott Rowland was inducted or will be inducted into the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame, but the process that it entails. And a lot of the things that I'm reading, and we're a couple of weeks out from that announcement. And again, I, I, I am apparently outside of the voters, because you got to get 75% to get in. Roland got just over 78% to get in. So he's going. I'm apparently in the minority here, like I've said before on the program, who's cool with it. I think Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer. But we've now, you get more and more of those comparisons where, well, what about Jeff Ken? What about Bounty Baseball? A-Rod, Bonds, Clement, all of those names, Sosa, if you will. And it's still now, and I guess it's good for baseball. Maybe this is what they want. No publicity is bad publicity, right? Especially in sports, that everybody's still talking about this. And there's really no better person to get the take on that than Bruce, and we will do that. But as far as this Sunday's game is concerned, there's a couple of things really that stand out for me. Number one, both teams ready to go. Injury reports are not loaded. Guys are off of them. Kadarius Tony was limited during the week. He's going to be full go. I heard that today. The Eagles had some damage to their offensive line. Looks like those guys might be limited. But they're going to play. And the biggie there was Lane Johnson from the injury uh, at the back end of the season against the Dallas Cowboys. But for me, when I look at Sunday, obviously people are going to focus on the quarterback. Mahomes, newly anointed the league MVP for this year. Hertz was right in the mix throughout. But that's where my focus will be, and specifically on Jalen Hurts. The Eagles have been steamrolling people the last couple of weeks. 
destroyed an outmatched Giants team and rolled over what turned out to be a banged up San Francisco when their quarterback went down a couple of weeks ago in the NFC Championship. But if you watch those games objectively, and I mentioned this last week, and I truly believe it, and this is not a hammer job. You know I'm not into that hammering guys who do things I simply can't do, a pro athlete. If you watch these games objectively, in my opinion, Jalen Hurts, for whatever reason, really hasn't been playing his best football. A bevy of missed throws we've seen, airmailing some guys. You, you know, statistically, you got to go past the stat sheet, right? Now, other people that just go, oh, well, the, well, the, well, the box score tells a different story. Well, did you watch the game? Your numbers could be good if you're a stat sheet stuffer, or your numbers could be kind of misleading because not everything is always in there. But if you've watched the Eagles the last couple of weeks, they're winning games because their defense is just unbelievable. Up front, nobody pressures the quarterback like the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, it's remarkable how they get in the opposition's backfield. I mean, Hassan Reddick is, is stupid good. Unbelievable. Local kid out of Temple, too. Unbelievable. Fan favorite in Philly, and he should be. And the ground attack, because they're strong up front offensively. But you can't tell me the last couple of weeks that the reason the Philadelphia Eagles are winning these games the way they're winning them is because of the play at quarterback. Hertz had an MVP caliber season. But if you want to take the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately attitude or that approach, guy hasn't looked good. Really hasn't. Crazy to say. Might be a little uncomfortable to say, but it's the truth. You get in a close game here. If Jalen Hurts is playing the way he's played the last couple weeks, Philadelphia's not going to win. And Patrick Mahomes, on the other side of things, what more can you say about this guy? Nobody in the world is a bigger Joe Burrow fan than I am. And those of you who follow the program know how big of a Lamar Jackson fan I am. But you can't tell me that right now, and it was spoken for last night with the NFL Awards, that there's a better outright football player in the league than Patrick Mahomes. What he did in that AFC Championship game Basically, let's call it what it is, folks, on one leg was unreal because that Cincinnati team was coming in a well-oiled machine on both sides of the ball. And what you saw, how good this Kansas City team is, the defense finally stepped up when they needed them the most and backed up their quarterback. You knew Mahomes was going into that game, and he wasn't coming out. Chad Henney. Gutsy performance when they needed him, 97-yard drive. You knew Mahomes was going to gut out anything he could. And to win that game on one leg and really render Cincinnati ineffective, Burrow didn't play bad, but he couldn't get the score late at the end of the first half. A couple of turnovers. Say what you want about the officiating. Miscommunications, but a lot of those calls were fine. This was Patrick Mahomes. At his finest. He was that good. And he is that good. Getting the MVP nod. Last night. Just reaffirmed that. And that would be my fear now. For the Philadelphia Eagles. You know what you have. When you're facing a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And his connection 
with Travis Kelsey. Well, people say, well, just isolate Kelsey. Guy might go down as maybe the greatest tight end ever when it's all said and done. So that's not easy to do. So you've got to worry about that with Mahomes. We know how good the Philly defense is, but to me, it's obvious, and, and I'm not reinventing the wheel by saying it comes down to the quarterback because it generally does. Right? I believe 11 out of the last 16 Super Bowl MVPs or something of that ilk were, have, been, have been the Super Bowl MVP. Jalen Hurts simply cannot play the way he's played the last few weeks if Philadelphia thinks it's going to win this game. Because as banged up as Kansas City was coming into this game and getting healthier, you ask me, let's go back a week before Andy Reid really made the announcement that, hey, Pat Mahomes is he's close to 100%. He's doing everything that we normally expect him to do and everything he expects of himself. Before that comment came from Andy Reid, I was on the Eagles train. I said, how is Kansas City going to knock off a Philly team that has the best defense in the league, the best front four in the league, and a damn good in the secondary? As good as Patrick Mahomes is, he's not 100%. Kelsey was a game-time decision late in the AFC Championship game. Obviously played, and he scored. But for me, I said, oof, if this is, if this is going to be the theme, where Philadelphia is just destroying teams, yeah, they're going to beat a beleaguered, banged-up Kansas City team. My tone has changed there. And it's because of this overall health now of Kansas City. You saw what Pat Mahomes did at 50%. Now the guy's healthy. And the way that Kansas City defense played against Burrow and company at Arrowhead in the championship game kind of reaffirms my belief that, yeah, I think this might be a close KC victory. I think it's going to be a great game. I hope the hell it's going to be a great game because I can't wait to sit down and watch it. 6.30 kickoff Sunday Super Bowl 57 Eagles Chiefs. This is the instance where now, maybe, we all know how good Pat Mahomes is, right? And if he's going to play better on the biggest of stages, this might be the opportunity for Jalen Hurts to have that official coming out party. Here I am. You read about me, 14-3 and this year, MVP race the entire season. He plays better. Than he has the last couple of weeks because again it hasn't been good and the, the scoreboard can be misleading the giants were never gonna win that game did i think they'd lose by 31 no but they were never gonna beat the eagles not this year san francisco that game was close early and the purdy thing happened and it just derailed any momentum that san francisco had but even offensively in that game, Hurts not great. So they're going to need him to be big. But I had a change of heart with the update to Patrick Mahomes' overall health and then watching the way Kansas City's defense showed up in the AFC Championship game. Even as good as the Eagles' defense has been, a healthy Mahomes might be a bit too much for Philly to handle, especially if Hurts doesn't elevate his play. 
Now, am I going to be surprised if Philadelphia wins? Of course not. I, I was ready to roll with them. Not anymore. I like Kansas City in Sunday's Super Bowl in Arizona. To the tune of 27-24. I'm hammering the under here. And I can't wait to get Pat's take on this in a couple of minutes uh, when he joins us, uh, when he's home from work. Because this is where it gets fun. Everybody's got the box pools. Whatever you spend for each box, maybe you're in a touching box. I'm actually in one of a, a, a really cool pool where you, you get a number. There's 10 people in the pool, zero through nine. Whatever the score total, you add up the score. Let's say it's 16, 15. It's a total of 31. If you have one, you win. Pretty interesting. Never heard of that before. So that's one of the pools I'm in Sunday as well. But it's going to be really interesting to get Pat's take on some of the props that we might be able to ride ahead of the contest on Sunday in Arizona because it's going to be a good one. And again, Bruce is going to join us about 15 minutes from now. Uh, Bruce Shine to talk a little bit more about the big game, the final game of the NFL season. And it's been a fun season. And if you're a New York Giants fan, you, you'd never expected 10 wins, including a postseason victory in year one of a new regime. That's pretty awesome. Now, I know things didn't go the way Jet fans I generally hoped, but there is hope there, right? I think you feel a little bit different about the Jets with seven wins that, okay, there's some legitimate talent on this team. Moving forward, figure out that quarterback spot, right? So you talk about the NFL season as a whole, I think there was a lot of good. Including the Giants and some things for the Jets. Future's bright for both. I can't wait to see the encore performance for Brian Dable, his company and company right now. Uh, we have a caller on the line, Vin. What's up, Vinny? What's up, Pete? How are you? How you doing, brother? What's going on? Nothing much. Please stop talking about the Jets. There is no hope as long as Robert Salah is the coach. <laughs> there's <laughs> no still, hope. There's, there's, no. there's no getting you on, on, on the salad train. None. No, there's no hope with that guy. He cre- The more, you know, in retrospect, you look at everything, what happened with the season, the more it just was such a mess. I don't want to harp on that anyway. But, I mean, they, they would have had a shot. You know, I saw Sean Payton on an interview. They asked him about the Jets. And he said, you know, they have a coach and they never asked. They never called. I, I, think- I, I just I don't know how that would – how to navigate that two years. At- now, if, if – if it's a crap season for the Jets, it's over. It's over. And then you're back to square one. But, it's over. Nobody wants to play for this guy. Nobody wants to play for him. I mean, it's it's, it's that simple. So I want- we, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you called in. And really, of the of the calls that I've fielded on the show, I haven't had anybody other than you, Vin, that spoke so eloquently and highly about Zach Wilson. Is that uh, Are you still on that train as well? Absolutely. The guy needs to be coached. I mean, we've seen what happened with Daniel Jones. You're a Giant fan. How many times did, Gi- did Daniel Jones get booed out of Giant Stadium? Oh, forget it. How many times in the media were they executing him, saying his obituary? Oh, I, I, never, I was right? never singing his praises. I, I'm, I'm guilty as charged. I, and, and you brought a coach in who knows what he's doing instead of that complete idiot Joe Judge. 
You bought a coach who knows what he's doing. Yeah. And what is Daniel Daniel Jones always had the talent. You've seen he could throw the ball, he could run the ball. He showed flashes, but he wasn't in the right offense. He got the right coach, and the guy's getting going to get $25, 30000000 million a year now for three, four years. Yeah. You know, it's all about coaching in the NFL. You think you put Purdy on the Jets with Salah on the floor. You think he has the year he has? He's horrible. I, 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 listen, I'm not, I'm not going to get – you're not going to get an argument there from me. It's um, all about the coaching. You're going to see how good next year the Panthers are going to be with Frank Reich. You're going to see how good Russell Wilson's going to be back to where he was with the Broncos. It's all about the system. It's all about coaching. Zach Wilson's got so much talent. He could he throws he's got a cannon for an arm. He could run. I personally believe they sabotaged him in the offense. They set him up. I was watching the the Detroit game, mm-hmm. and I'm watching them. He rolled out a couple times, had huge plays. The second half, they put him back in the pocket. You know that. I mean, what I, you the, talk about that Detroit game? That there was just a, a, a litany of errors from top to bottom I'm, in that game. Yeah, he, he played good in that game. He threw for 315 yards, yeah. two touchdown passes. When they got him out of the pocket, he was unstoppable. All you got to look at is they were they were five and they were seven and four, six and four going into the Bear game. Mm-hmm. The Bear game was a layup for Zach Wilson. They would have been seven and four. They never won another game after Salah started the quarterback carousel. They never won another game. The only other quarterback to throw another touchdown pass was Zach Wilson in the Detroit game. They would have made the playoffs if he was the quarterback for the rest of the year. You got to understand the the majority of fans don't know nothing about football. That's the truth. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's the truth. And they don't. They just see, oh, Zach Wilson stinks. Everybody jumps on the bandwagon, but they don't see. You know, you know, they don't. I I I, I watch the guy in college. The guy can play. Yeah. The guy can the guy can flat out play. I just want to give a quick thing on the game Sunday and of I'm course, done. Absolutely. Go ahead. What do you got? You got to remember who the defensive coordinator was who beat Tom Brady twice. Right? Yes. Giant guy. Yes. Spagnola. He yeah. know he knows how to win. He knows how to win these big games. And he's going to I'm telling you he's going to go he he knows he he's going to know how to beat he's going to know how to beat Hurts. He beat yeah, Brady. I, he he beat Brady twice, and I, I all I know is Dallas put up forty eight on the Eagles. Yeah, and I see I can't see Kansas City doing the same thing. This is a blowout to me. So you you're you're big time on the Chiefs. Oh, forget it, big time. I think he's going to have Hurts so confused he's not going to know what to do with the ball. I, I think Spagnola. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, we'll see. And uh, Vinny, thank you for the call, brother. Um, Thanks, Pete. I'll, I'll listen, talk to you tomorrow. All right, dude. Um, okay. We, Vinny makes a good point there about the, the connection there with, with you know, the veteran ability of Steve Spagnolo having coached in spots like this before. But I think kind of Vinny is piggybacking what I said before about this Kansas City defense. I think you were given a lot more faith in this unit as a whole after the way they played in the AFC Championship game against a really, really talented and uh, at sometimes dominant Cincinnati offense, whether it's the two-headed monster of Mixon and Pirine. Pirine really came on late. They were a different off. It was a good offense that went to a different level when they had that double ability 
to run the football and use guys out of the backfield when P. Ryan really started to establish himself as a viable option, not losing anything if Joe Mixon was banged up or couldn't play. I, I, matter of fact, from a fantasy perspective, Samaj P. Ryan is going to be a hot commodity next year, uh, regardless of what the situation is ahead of him uh, with Joe Mixon. And obviously, you know how good the, the wide receivers are. I know there's trade rumors with T. Higgins. They're connecting him to the Giants. Somehow, I, I saw that he was linked to the Vikings. Could you imagine if that happened? A 24-year-old, six-foot-four receiver, a possession receiver who can go up and get it, now playing with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, the Offensive Player of the Year. My goodness. And then, obviously, Jamar Chase. But Kansas City's defense, you know they're going to be prepared, right? Andy Reid... Nick Sirianni, these two teams have been prepared for whoever the hell they were playing this year. You know, I know Sirianni comes off as, a, as like an odd guy, pompous and very confident. Look, the guy won 14 of 17 games, and he's 60 minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. Be as brash as you want, Nick Sirianni, because you might not get this opportunity again. And that, that storyline there that has Reed going up against his old team, he didn't retain Sirianni when he was with Kansas City when he took the job. They, which is not a big deal, but it is part of this. But I'm telling you, and, and I agree with what Vince said there. I, I don't know that I, I don't think this game's going to be a blowout. Matter of fact, I thought, told you the opposite. I think Kansas City wins a close game. I changed my tune there, 27-24. And I did that based on the information that Mahomes is healthy, according to his head coach, and because of the way the Chiefs defense played in the title game a couple weeks ago. It was a different defense. Of the four teams that were left competing for a trip to the Super Bowl, the Eagles and the Chiefs, obviously two of them, and then Philadelphia and Cincinnati. Going into those championship games, it was blatantly obvious that the weakest defense of the four teams belonged to Kansas City, and as it turned out, they might have had the best day. San Francisco struggled to stop the run. They had really no momentum. The defense was on the field the entire time. 36-year-old Josh Johnson. I, I mean, even I think Johnson knew he was no good. For as good as the San Francisco defense has played all year, had played all year, they picked a really crap time to play their worst game of the season. The Philly defense has been unbelievable all year. And the Cincinnati defense probably doesn't get enough credit because for the last 10 to 12 weeks of the year, they were an unbelievable unit. And nobody ever really talked about Kansas City as having a good defense because they really didn't. And then they stepped it up in the championship game. So, I, I mean, I, I, I love this. I, I, I think this is, you know, we were all winners with the teams that were in the playoffs, even if you didn't have a dog in the fight because it was such an interesting layout. And I thought the matchups, I know the Philly-San Francisco game turned out to be a blowout, but I thought those matchups were great. And I think we have a great Super Bowl matchup. And I know he's been uh, listening in, so let me bring in our buddy Bruce Shine. Pat's running a little late, so hopefully when he gets home, we'll be able to get Patty in from our buddy from the game day to talk a little bit about some Super Bowl betting, which is always a hot-button issue. But Bruce, you got me, brother? PM in the PM. How are you, brother? What's going on, man? It's good to talk to you. What, it's good up? to hear your voice again. I, listen, I, I and I and I, I have an appreciation for you successfully navigating the Podbean platform to do it perfectly. You did everything right. 
Well, I mean, again, there's no accounting for taste, but thank you. <laughs> so one of the things I, I know that we talked during the week um, was, and we'll get into the, the, the Hall of Fame stuff, but the, the, the biggest moment of, the, of this week is going to happen Sunday with the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I just went through, you know, some of the intricacies of the game, and I think KC wins a close one. Um, is there anything specifically, you know, outside of the obvious with the two QBs that you might be looking for uh, in this game? Because I think it's it, it's as good of a matchup as you could hope for as a football fan. Hey, look, I, I don't see the game the same way you do. Uh, I see the Eagles winning in rather comfortable fashion. And believe me, I take no joy in saying that. I'd, I'd rather have a root canal send the anesthesia than pull for the Eagles. Um, I, I just think that the the Eagles aren't a one-trick pony. They could beat you any number of ways, and they've basically been beating people without their quote-unquote MVP-like quarterback uh, for, for weeks now. And listen, no one's got a greater appreciation for Patrick Mahomes uh, than I do. I, I think that we, we need to, you know, stop, take a step back and realize, you know, much like what we see what's going on with LeBron, guys like mm -hmm. these, don't come down the pike, you know, every day. And I think we are watching an all-time great, an immortal-like, you know, guy who obviously still has a long way to go, uh, you know, to reach those lofty, uh, you know, adjectives, if you will. But I, I just don't think, you know, Kansas City has enough talent uh, to hang here. I, I, I think the Eagles win a, you know, a, a 10 to 14 point differential here. Okay. Yeah, and, and one of the things I said, I, you know, Philly wins the game. Would I be shocked? Of course not. You know, nothing really surprises you here. Um, just for the, my difference of opinion really stemmed on the fact that I thought Kansas City's defense played its best game when it needed to against Cincinnati, and then you get that positive news that Mahomes is – you knew he was going to play, but for Reed to come out and say he's doing all the things he expects himself to do and that we expect him to do, um, I think that, that greatly gave me – kind of that um that little boost of confidence to say you know what i'm gonna go kc here yeah you know what i'm poo-pooing that because uh patrick mahomes was not healthy in the championship game he's playing with a slightly broken leg which is what a high ankle sprain is and you know when you take away that running dynamic from his game uh, that's a it, it it's a huge component he, this, you know, Pat, Patrick Mahomes is not a scrambler. He is a lethal runner. He is Steve Young. He is John Elway. Uh, and listen, <laughs> he didn't need that part of his game, you know, to still put forth a brilliant performance in in surviving, uh, you know, the Bengals at home. But not having that component as part of his game yeah. is a big deal, especially given the the depth and the speed uh, on on that Eagles defense, uh, you know, and and their, and their coverage people is night and day compared to the, uh, you know, to the guys that the, uh, the, that the Chiefs give you in the back half of their defense. Yeah, and the other thing, too, that front four of Philly, when they hit you, they try to hurt you. I mean, front they four, are as front good eight, as anybody. Front nine, they come at you in waves. Yeah. You know, I, I, your last caller was talking about, you know, Steve Spagnuolo and his history – against, uh, you know, the Patriots and, the, and those two Super Bowls and being able to get consistent pressure and Brady's face up the middle and, and what a, you know, a big part of those 
those victories they were. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, Justin Tuck should have been the MVP of both those games and not Eli Manning. This is a little bit of a different animal here. This is, this is, this is, this is, uh, I don't want to say it's entirely different. Um, I just don't think it's exactly an apples to apples comparison either. All right. Yeah. Well, listen, it, it, it's the best time of the year, right? It's a national holiday to those who are football fans and, 6.30 6.30 p.m., there'll be millions of people watching the game uh, between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Uh, let's sh- switch a little bit, stay in football. Um, as far as free agency is concerned, we we're, now you, you'll start to get more of a focus on this once the Super Bowl concludes, uh, as we push more into the offseason. Uh, and you're really starting to get these updates, Bruce, uh, regarding, if you focus on the Giants, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. I, I, I think I read the other day um, on NJ.com, they do a nice job with, with, with covering uh, a lot of this stuff. You're probably looking or at Jones expecting somewhere 34 to 35 million per. Is that something that you would be comfortable doing coming off the season that he just had, or is that still a little too much? No. Uh, I, I mean, what, what's your recourse if yeah, you don't? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, Draft, that's what, right? that's what, you know, quarterbacks, Average to good to, to greater making, whether it's 35 or 42, I don't care. If you have finally identified the guy who's going to, you know, take you forward at in the sport's most integral position, you pay him. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's, a, you know, it's a no-brainer and, the, yeah. and that Daniel Joe – and listen, I've been a staunch supporter – of Daniel Jones as anybody, you know, prior to this breakout season of his. But, you know, be that as it may, these are the circumstances. I ideally, and I know I stand alone when I say this, and again, this is coming from somebody who has been a big Daniel Jones supporter. But ideally, if they could get him for one more year on a franchise tag and kind of have another, you know, prove it type of year – I actually think that's optimal because I have absolutely no doubt that if he takes if he takes yet another step and 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 backs up what he did this year with another stellar performance, then they'll make him one of the highest, you know, top handful yeah. of guys being paid at, at, at that position. Now, that's not going to happen. I, I ultimately that's a fallback plan for them, the franchise tag. But as far as, you know, the scenario that you're. Painting here, uh, there there really isn't any recourse for the Giants. Mm-hmm. And for me, given my feelings and what I've seen from Daniel Jones in these four years, yeah, I, I think it's a gamble that, that that's well worth taking. Absolutely. Is he the priority, you think, with, with Barkley looming as well? No, it's it. Uh, that's is that a rhetorical question? I mean, one, <laughs> one guy's a- I, Bruce. I'm, I mean, you you know how how the, how the sports media could work. It's very fickle, especially on social media. Some of the things you read would blow your mind with with some of the potential uh, what ifs. Um, given given the job descriptions, there, there's no debate to be had there. Yeah, Barkley's a, listen. Well, Barkley's a wondrous talent. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a he's a great character guy. He's a leader. He's glue. He's integral, you know, to what the Giants have been, what they are, and what they're going to be going forward. But you, you cannot prioritize in, in any way, shape, or form the running back position, uh, as opposed to finding someone who could uh, simulate what what a. 
quality quarterback brings you. Yeah, I, and I, I, I think this will. You know, I think it's it's good to have the conversation, right? Get it out in the open. We know something's going to happen relating to Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I'm with you. I, I'll just be interested to see what the uh, what the price tag is uh, for one or both of them. Um, ideally, you'd like to have them back, but I'm with you. If you can lock up that quarterback, if the Giants think he's the guy, then like you said, it, it it's it's a no brainer. It should be a done deal. Um, so we'll certainly be well, keeping well, an eye I mean, out. Listen, Pete, for those that don't want Daniel Jones back, mm-hmm. do you really want to, for this franchise, this moribund franchise that has been in the abyss for a decade, you want to roll the dice on another rookie quarterback or or, or try to sell me on, on Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. or Derek Carr? I mean, you got to say, okay, if we're not doing this, then what? No, this is a, this is a no-brainer. There is only one realistic path for the Giants to go at the position right now, and Joe Shane damn well knows it. And you know, listen, you know John Mara. He looks at, at this kid as a as a grandson, and we know John Mara is loyal and loyal to a fault. Correct. Daniel Jones isn't going anywhere. Anywhere he is going to be under center for the Giants. Yeah. For next year and and for the foreseeable future, then I'm I'm telling you, Ed, we're lifetime giant fans, man. I can't wait to see what the encore performance with this group is. It's just nice to have a coaching staff and you know everyone in the in the in the owner's box and, and the GM's box that has a clue once again. There's a uh, yeah, plan. I, I and think you're spot, I think, uh, Yeah, you're you're spot on. And, and I love the parallels you were drawing earlier between them and, and where the Jets are. Here's all I'll say about that. And I'm as, as huge on Dable as, as obviously you are as well. Oh, but the guy. As, as history being my guide here, I have to profess, I pretty much felt the same way this time two years ago mm-hmm. after Joe Judge's rookie season. And look yeah, how that turned out. And, you know, I've, I've made the connection there with the 2016 playoff team with McAdoo, and then it was a complete dumpster fire the following couple seasons. So it's not a guarantee. I To me, they just – I know, you know, Joe Judge, and, and that's a great point you make because he said all the right things, right? Obviously very confident the way he spoke. You know, it sounded like he believed what was coming out of his mouth, which after being terrible with Pat Shermer and McAdoo, that was enough for Giant fans. To me, you know, I think they're, the teaching element with – Brian Dable coming out and saying, you know what? He's going to make mistakes, but we got to let Daniel Jones play his game. What the hell do you think that did for that young man? It well, just give him confidence, you know? It was but, it's but just Bra- different. Yeah. He's a visionary. You know, he he's he you're right. It's teaching, it's coaching, it's having a plan. But but I I've said it once and, and I'll say it again here. The seminal moment of the Giants season may very well have been week one in Tennessee, fourth quarter. Jones throws that end zone interception. Jones comes to the sideline, and Dable airs him out for the world to see. There was no getting around it. He was not just sending a message to Jones. It was to everybody involved. The nonsense that has gone on here at the highest order, it's over. It's going to stop. It's going. It's not going to gradually, you know, take its run its course. It's going to stop now. Yeah. How many and turnovers I, I, do you think? How many times do you see Daniel Jones turn the ball over after that? Uh, after that faux pod week one. 
uh, yeah, obviously more protective, uh, more alert. Obviously, there was an awareness across the board. Uh, and good coaching obviously makes a difference um, on all levels. So we're lockstep in this one, man. Um, and, and it was good to get your take on that after really a really enjoyable um, giant season. But I know I mentioned I, I wanted to get your uh, your take on this because I, I, I know how vast your baseball knowledge is. The MLB, the, the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame, I know people have their issues with the BBWAA and all that, the Baseball Writers Association of America. I don't really get all the hullabaloo around um, the, the public hammering uh, Scott Rowland getting into the to the Hall of Fame. Maybe one of the best third basemen, in my opinion, you'll ever see. Eight gold gloves. He's got the title. Um, I, I think the guy was just a consummate pro throughout. And I think he was, I to me, I Bruce, I thought he was a, a, a no-brainer uh, Hall of Famer. And I'm actually surprised it took him uh, the six years to get in. Um, did you have any issues with with how this all took place or uh, the, the class that he'll now go in with Fred McGriff? Yeah, with all due respect, I thought that was the height of uh, irresponsible Scott Rowland's election in the Hall of Fame. You were uh, the majority. I, I, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the heck they're looking at. Uh, look, if you peruse the guy's ledger, he never led the league in anything. He never got top. He never got top consideration for for MVP. He he was he wasn't a stalwart in the postseason with you know uh, he had the huge you know when the Cardinals were you know had that run and he had a huge World Series against the Tigers but but his body of work is in, is exactly exemplary there I don't want to bash Scott Rowland I, I I agree with you I think Scott Rowland's a terrific player but is the Hall of Fame is the elite of the elite and I and I'm not just saying it doesn't have to just be Ruth and Aaron and Mays. I'm not, you know, I can make a case, you know, for Fred McGriff and the lesser Hall of Fame types. That's fine. There, there are some some compelling debates to be had there. I, I don't see a guy like Scott Rowland, given his body of work, who, who again, who, when, when you look at the numbers, I know the Hall of Fame is, is awfully shy when it comes to the representation of third baseman, but that's not justification for putting a guy like that in the Hall either. Uh, I just, again, if I would have put one word to it uh it would be irresponsible this is it, it's now becoming laughable it it, it is i'm it's i don't want to bash the guy you know it, it's one of the great moments of you know of his life the the highest of, of all honors but yeah it's, it's absurd it's just absolutely positively absurd that scott Rowland is is a, a a hall of famer now are there and and i had said in the at the top of the broadcast that for the the common names that you'll you'll, you'll hear, well, you know, Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer. How come Donnie Baseball isn't, or Jeff Kent, or then you go even further down the line, you'll get the the Bonds and the A Rod, which has obviously been talked about for years and years now, uh, with the, the the PED links and all that. Is this potentially problematic now for the the voting process around uh, who was going to get in? Is this going to create? Uh, problems with the backlash that this has received because you know it, it's it, it wasn't very well taken just because I tend to think that Scott Rowland is deserving I am in the overwhelming minority with that opinion yeah you know something I would have said before the latest uh convening of the of the veterans committee that Bonds Clemens those guys are, are eventually going to get in uh because those, those are their contemporaries 
their contemporaries. Obviously, they're not eligible on the ballot anymore. Had it been 15 years as opposed to 10, you know, maybe they would have made it because the electorate is is changing drastically. It's becoming younger. It's becoming much more progressive. Man, I, I mean, I don't want to be here to sit here and tell you Don Mattingly doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. I don't I, I don't love Don Mattingly. I bow at his altar. I mean, he was, you know, he was my light between the late 70s and the mid-90s. Uh, you know, the, 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 I don't want to say the darkest of times because they weren't for the franchise, but I mean, you know, he was it. I just don't know that there's enough longevity there. I can make a case for Jeff Kent. You know, Jeff, Jeff Kent might be the best, you know, hitting second baseman in the history of Major League Baseball. People yeah. of that ill belong in the Hall of Fame uh, because the guy was a complete nutter um, ass, uh, to put it mildly, uh, to, to the media should not preclude one from from election. So I get, I could present a, a, a great argument for Jeff Kent. I think Jeff Kent uh, belongs in the hall of fame. I, I just, I can't rationalize this Scott Rowland thing on any era, uh, yeah, on any level, yeah, you know, man. gold gloves. I mean, what rookie of the year, hall of fame, yeah. hall of fame, elite, the, 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 the greatest of the elite. Uh, and, and and Scott Rowan couldn't find that with a compass if you, if you look at his his his, his playing career. Yeah, and I thought he was a terrific player. And the, I hate saying that, but it's it just the 281 batting average uh, irked some people as well. But um, I don't know. Uh, maybe 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 it's the it, the kindness I have, and I saw a lot of him. You know, I I I always enjoyed uh, uh, watching him play. So uh, you know, I, for me, maybe it's just a little. You know, I, when he was a Philly, I hated you're not wrong. Was... You're not wrong. I, I I agree with you. I, he's yeah. a terrific player. He's just not a Hall of Famer on any level. Yeah. So yeah, well, and and, and again, this is exactly exactly why um, I wanted to get your take on that. But uh, hey, Bruce, listen, we we got to do this again, man. This was awesome. I I I appreciate it. You know, it, it, it's spots like this. Yeah, you know how how it works. It, that you know, it help you grow, and it's. Um, you know, I, I I know we had a blast. I, I referenced the call uh, all the time with Eddie Carroll putting that together, and uh, that was a, a hell of a lot of fun. So I'm just trying to continue a, a small amount of this, but I I greatly appreciate you coming on a Friday night. Uh, and uh, I I'll, obviously I'll talk to you, but I'd love to have you back on. You know, down the road, obviously, as we start to talk uh, MLB, you know, winter, and and obviously NBA, NHL. Hey, Pete, listen, I've told you this off the air. I'll say it again in front of all your listeners. you got a huge future in this industry. I, I'm, I'm honored that you asked me to come on. I'd be happy to come on anytime you like. Thanks so much for, for giving me a couple minutes. I really appreciate you asking. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. you. Got it. That is the great Bruce Shine. That's a great spot. You get a lot of info there, man. I mean, it's just – it's you do this – the reason I like this show – you just have it. It's a regular conversation like you would anywhere else, right? About sports. And this is fun. You know, it's a little break from being in the classroom. And those of you who follow me, you know how much I love my day job. I love being a teacher. Does it get aggravating? Hell yeah. But it's the most rewarding thing you could ever possibly do. Change one kid's life. It it's there's no better feeling. But coming on this platform to have this grow the way it is with your listenership and following, especially continuing it through uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and this Podbean 
live app, I absolutely love. Um, it's really been great. Um, and at really, as we gear up for Sunday Super Bowl, um, this is going to be, you know, a- absolutely fantastic. And this was a great way to um, kind of ring that in. And uh, again, special thanks to Bruce Shine for jumping on uh, because that was a great spot. And time runs out. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. Finally. And they have done it. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami as they win it here in Super Bowl 54. Well, it's going to be the Chiefs or the Eagles again, folks. And for diehard Giant fans like myself, it's that is a punch to the gut to even say that. What I will say, at least the Dallas Cowboys can't get a ring, which is awesome. If it's not going to be the Giants, it damn well better not be the Dallas Cowboys. With that, with the Super Bowl comes some big-time betting props that you'd be interested in. With that, I turn it over to the expert and welcome in our buddy Pat Pickens of the game day. Pat, what's up, brother? How are you? What, what's up, Pete? How are we doing, bud? Listen, Rangers getting things done since we last spoke, huh? Yeah, the uh... – you know, the Tarasenko deal is a big deal. And, and uh, you know, it's like he's going to make his debut or he's making his debut tonight. Uh, you know, the Rangers power plays about middle of the road. Uh, look for that to take a huge jump, I would suggest. Or I think, um, you know, they've been really good to, you know, keeping the, the goals off the board. They've been sort of middle of the road uh, scoring them. I mean, obviously, he's a manager still having a great year in Fox yeah. is what he is. And, but uh, that's a legitimate sniper. You know, Stanley Cup credentials. Uh, funny, you know, he's been sort of in it on the move, you know, rumored to be on the move really since even, you know, during that cup run, before that cup run, there was a lot of rumors about him going. So it's interesting to see, uh, I'm f- sort of fascinated to see what happens. You know, obviously we, we talked yesterday a little bit about him, the, the connection with Artemi Panarin and playing with Zabanja on the top line and, and sort yeah. of how it really lengthens their lineup. It's a perfect fit for, um, and honestly, you know, even he's a rental, but, there, the cost wasn't that uh, crazy. Obviously, you know, I know Ranger fans hate Libor Hayek, so to watch him go on waivers and then clear, uh, you know, suddenly get sent to the AHL today. And then, you know, the conditional first, a fourth, and, you know, Sammy Blay is really not re- yeah. <laughs> revered among Ranger fans either. So it's, it's not a at perfect all. fit. And, uh, <laughs> and I think, you know, you, you saw the move with the Islanders made with Bo Horvat and Tarasenko, they get him for a few extra weeks. It's really going to up the ante in terms of the trade deadline. You know, the, the teams in the area, the Devils have been so linked to Timo Meyer. Uh, you just wonder when it went. I mean, I would think at this point it's when because, uh, you know, Tarasenko's off the market and Patrick Kane, you know, who knows with the injury. And he's, he had some interesting quotes today about the trade with Tarasenko about how he's a little disappointed. I think that the Rangers didn't, didn't make the move to get him instead. But, um, but it's a perfect fit. It really ups the ante again in the Metro and in the, and the tri-state area, as far as uh, the, you know, the, the arms race for rentals and talent and, yep. and, you know, and the cup run, especially at the Eastern conference. And as right, as you said, um, when we were talking about that last week, what yeah. potentially could happen, the Rangers make the big splash, um, yeah. which is, and, and now you get, you really see uh, some additional scoring that they needed, obviously. Um, yeah. But I, I hopped on the website, the game day. Uh, I saw your piece on uh, the MVP odds. I guess Jalen Hurts is is the favorite to win the MVP. The odds on favorite there, probably because the Eagles are, what is it, about a point and a half favorite in the game as of now? 
Yeah, one point. I think it's a one and a half favorite. They've been minus 125 really all week. Uh, actually, you know, today the, the, the MVP odds shifted. Uh, Mahomes became the favorite once again. Uh, I think it's plus, one eight, plus 120 for Mahomes and plus 125 to Hurts. So it's really a coin toss. You know, yeah. Vegas really is, is assuming this is a coin toss t- type game. We can get into more of that in a minute about my, my read on it because I, I really agree with what Bruce Shine was just talking about as far as the Eagles' dominance and the potential dominance. I'll, I'll tease that a little bit. But, um, but yeah, so Hurts has been the favorite most of the, you know, really uh, been him and Mahomes 1-1A. One one you know, Hurts was one of the favorites to win the, the NFL MVP that I, I went to uh, Mahomes. Uh, I think the injury late in the season really uh, doomed his chances because mm-hmm. but it's funny because I always think, you know, a player gets can prove, prove his value by not being there, but it's always like disqualifying when a player is misses significant time due to injury. Like you look at what the Eagles did as far as, you know, they were 0-2, they lost to Dallas, they lost to god-awful New Orleans at home, and that they made that Week 18 game uh, – matter because they lost those two games with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. And, and to me, that would be, that would only enhance Jalen Hurts' uh, MVP yeah. prospects. But the year Mahomes had was unbelievable, especially with Tyreek Hill going and, and so much made about, uh, you know, what, whether Casey was going to fall off because of the, the Hill trade and, and the receivers they have are, are still not super. And uh, Mahomes was well-deserving, but you know, the, the, him and Hurts really were one and one a all year. And like, you can't, uh, and you can't go wrong picking either to win the, the MVP, even though neither quarterback – I mean, I, I guess the winning quarterback will be the MVP, but I did not pick either quarterback to win the MVP, if that makes sense. So, an interesting of note there also, I, I think you, you mentioned in the article that 11 of the last 16 MVPs yes. were the QB. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, people are obviously going to, you know, focus in on that. But as far as um, the prop bet aspect of yeah. that – which has really ballooned, you yeah. probably say, the last five to ten years. Everybody, how long is the National Anthem going to be? The color of the Gatorade, yeah. the coin flip, yeah. this, yep. that, and the other thing. I know you, you, you've you got some things going there, so uh, share yeah. with the audience uh, what you're thinking as far as some of the prop bets are concerned 48 so, hours out of, out of kickoff. So, there, I mean, the, really it's been the last five, four. I mean, really since betting became legal in, in the U.S., right, 2018, um, when the, the whole thing went live in New Jersey, and then it's only enhanced since then. So if I was going to, you know, the obvious problem is uh, Travis Kelsey touchdown because so much made about, and so much deservedly so made about, um, you know, Philadelphia's terrific secondary, Darius Slay yeah. and James Bradbury. They're, you know, exceptional talents. Kelsey's really a unicorn in terms of the tight end position. He's been, the, and he's had some incredible uh, games this year, especially, like I said, it's sort of alluded to that there's really this sort of patchwork receiving core that, that Kansas city has with Juju Smith-Schuster and Marcus Valdez-Scandling and Sky Moore's taking on more of a, of a role here in the playoffs. But it, it's really a, 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 you know, Nicole Hardman is out for, for the yeah. game. So, uh, you know, it's really going to be Tra- Travis Kelsey's show. The Kelsey touchdown odds were not great. They're about minus 115. Um, I saw DraftKings. I did a whole big page about uh, Travis Kelsey prop bets to consider his yards. Because it's funny, I, I think he had like 100, I think he had nine catches for about 130 yards in the Super Bowl where they got blown out by Tampa. So he yep. had a huge game against the Buccaneers in a game where the, the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown. So 
to to and, and TJ Gardner Johnson may have something to do with with Kelsey's uh, performance on Sunday too. But but if the, you can't, I don't, I cannot envision a world where Patrick Mahomes does not throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl in consecutive Super Bowl appearances. And if anybody's going to score a touchdown for Kansas City, it's going to be Travis Kelsey. Um, is my opinion. So with that said. Uh, DraftKings had a fun little head-to-head prop that I that I was really uh, high on. Uh, Devontae Smith versus Juju Smith-Schuster in terms of uh, yards catching is would, to explain this is the total yards Devontae Smith will finish with will be tw- twenty-four and a half greater than Juju Smith-Schuster. Smith's had at least thirty more yards than Smith-Schuster six straight weeks, including Championship Sunday, where Juju or Juju had just one catch for seven yards. Um, as I said, you know, Mahomes is going to target Kelsey early and often. And I don't, I just, as I said, you know, Bradbury and Slay are really going to lock down the outside I can see. And it's going to be short passes. And it's going to be Kelsey, I think. So I don't expect either Smith-Schuster or Valdez-Scantling to have a huge game. I know Valdez-Scantling had a huge game in the championship game, but Smith-Schuster's really, he's really struggled. And like I said, Devontae Smith has, has been a huge weapon. He hasn't really been uh, discussed. Everybody talks about A.J. Brown. Really, as yeah. the uh, as the go to guy, but but Devontae Smith's really been uh, Jalen Hurts' best receiver all season, and so um, I just it's it, it seems like a lock that Smith. I think Smith has, has a big game. I think Smith has an outside chance to win MVP. If we're being honest, but the only problem with that is uh, if Smith wins MVP, then Hurts will probably get it. But given the precedent set last year with Cooper Cup winning the the game MVP and and the potential for uh, you know Smith to have a nine catch hundred plus yard game, maybe a touchdown. Uh, there is the possibility for that. I think Kelsey has an outside chance to win MVP too. Again, yeah, I would, I would, agree, he, I would agree with you both there. Yeah, if he if he has, you know, he's had some some three four touchdown games this season, and again, Mahomes would get a lot of credit for that. But but if a receiver like Kelsey ends up uh, having 110 yards on nine or ten catches and two or three touchdowns, you know, you almost you can't not make a case. But yeah, so Smith minus 24 and a half versus Smith-Schuster in terms of receiving yards. You could do the same thing for Valdez-Scantling. I just picked Smith-Schuster because, again, Valdez-Scantling had a big uh, championship game, and Smith-Schuster's been pretty invisible lately um, in terms of uh, production. The My my favorite prop uh, from the Eagles' perspective is Boston Scott over seven and a half rushing yards. Is It's hard to believe that, a, that you could – a player who's been as – productive for the Eagles as Boston Scott has been could have that low of an over under prop um, he's finished with eight rushing yards in three straight games and uh, 11 of 19 I think it's six of eight also he's averaging four almost four and a half yards a carry so if he gets two carries his prop's gonna hit um, and he's really you know Nick Sirianni's really used Boston Scott as like a closer I mean we yep. saw it against the Giants in the playoffs we saw it against the Giants in the regular season that he's really that you know obviously small but Burley, you know, really a bowling ball type back, five six. I think he's like two hundred four. Is he's listed at? But um, you know, really, if, if the Eagles get ahead, and you know, Miles Sanders will, will get a little bit of a break, and Boston Scott will probably be in line to get a few extra carries. And I, like I said, eight yards is is, is his one run. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> he, could be. He could get. How did his and, odds? And I hadn't looked compared because uh, again, that is that's tantalizing. I'm I'm take a look at that. Uh, when we're done, but how how did that look compared to like say Gainwell? Yeah, so it's Gainwell's was real. I think he was at more in like the mid twenties or low thirties. Um, okay, and, uh, they might so, be hinging like, that off the performance he had against the Giants too. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I think um, you know the the prop moved 
from seven and a half to eight and a half with Scott uh, midweek. And then it went back to seven and a half today. So, um, you know, I think obviously the lower you can draft, these are, these are all lines I found on DraftKings, uh, which I think is available in both New, Jer- New York, New Jersey, and in Connecticut. So, you, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, golden at, at all the platform on DraftKings in any state you'd be in where you're listening. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, he averaged four and a half, four point three yards a carry. So two carries is going to get you eight, you know, eight or nine yards. And, and uh, it just seems hard to believe that. Again, if the Eagles are ahead in the second half, that, that that's especially if they're not ahead in the second half. Yeah. But if at any point, like it's hard to believe uh, that's not going to hit. What you and you'll have the biggies out there too, and that's the beauty of these. You know the player prop bets as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You get the big wigs with Smith, and and I, the point you make there with with him against AJ Brown, it's kind of a one and a one A type deal. But yeah. it seems like on those big plays, why you might be interested in placing some of these prop bets that might include maybe a single game parlay with a Devontae Smith. For those of you yeah. who are on DraftKings, because yeah. he does seem to be more of a lifeline on third and long, even when they go for it on fourth down for Jalen Hurts as opposed to an A.J. Brown. Now, with A.J. Brown, he's so damn big. He's such a target that it's hard to completely dismiss him. But for an every down, you know, for an anytime touchdown score type deal, Pat, you probably feel pretty comfortable with some combination maybe of a Kelsey Smith and and maybe a Miles Sanders, would you not? Uh, I I don't necessarily love Sanders as a touchdown prop because Hurts really tends to to steal a lot of his touchdowns along the goal line. I do there if you're going to look at a, a Smith prop uh if you don't love necessarily the 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 head to head one I think uh choosing him uh to to have the a longer longest play over 22 and a half yards um he had a tw- the famous 23 yard you know controversial catch on that opening drive uh or I'm sorry the 29 yard catch he's had a 23 yard plus play in 7 of 8 games uh including that wow. that controversial uh, catch non-catch on the opening drive in the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, but Smith also possesses that ability to run after the catch. And I, like you said, he, he's really used as sort of a safety valve in, in the offense with Jalen Hurts. And uh, so tw- and 23 yards, not that big of a play. I know it's one of those things you sort of hold your breath with. Um, you know, it, if you if he gets a 21-yarder, if he gets a you know 18-yarder, I've, you know, I've been in that boat before. But, um, but you know, I, I think – Smith, Davante Smith over 22 and then over four and a half catches. I just don't think, uh, again, there may be, there may be some, uh, running issues down the stretch. Uh, there may, sure. the score effects may be, uh, you know, more of a run script game plan for Philadelphia down the stretch, but yeah, you have to believe that Devontae Smith's going to go five, six, maybe seven catches, uh, on Sunday. But again, as, as uh, Bruce alluded to given Kansas city's, uh, suspect secondary yes yeah i think you'd be comfortable there with you know a, a five to seven catch game yes. uh yeah. yeah five to eight perhaps uh yeah. just because of how how hurts uh views him but uh pat before we let you go who do you like sure. in the game okay so here's where we're gonna go with this i tease this a little bit i think uh hurts is gonna be you know hurts is probably the likeliest candidate i think the eagles are gonna win could be i think it's gonna be one of those games it's a little bit um, non-suspenseful. I think, you know, Philly probably scores first. Philly probably sort of dom- leads um, and, and controls the game pretty much. Uh, I, I picked Hassan Reddick to win M- game MVP just because he's been such a force this whole playoff uh, run. Um, 
And I think the Eagles defense has been on another level that for some reason people are just not appreciating. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I just, you know, Mahomes is great and I love Mahomes, but we try, saw him, I alluded to the game against Tampa a couple of years ago where we saw him try to do it all himself and it didn't end well. It didn't, didn't come close to ending well for them. So, uh, you know, maybe Kansas City gets a running game. Maybe Kelsey has a huge game, and, and but I don't, I don't see it. I think Philadelphia is going to win pretty dominantly. You know, cl- close. I picked 27-10 as the score with Reddick, maybe having a couple sacks um, and, and really wrecking the game in sort of a Von Miller type way. Really sort of that Super Bowl 50 style game where Reddick plays the role of Von Miller and uh, and Philly just does enough to, to hold off Kansas City and Mahomes. Well, it's it's. I mean, it's going to be interesting, and I'm I'm. Yeah. You know, you probably got some pretty good odds with Reddick as MVP if that yeah. hits. Um, yeah, certainly better than uh, the, uh, the, the the quarterback uh, uh, bets that you would get there with the lower odds. But uh, sure. listen, Pat, we appreciate it, man. Uh, big time uh, friend of the show. We'll definitely have you on again. Obviously, yeah. talk some hockey, talk yeah. some uh, gambling action and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see all Pat's work. Uh, and everything we're discussing here, thegameday.com, uh, everything on there. Pat Pickens, the great Pat Pickens. We appreciate it, pal. Enjoy the Always game a- and uh, have a good weekend, dude. Always a pleasure, bud. Happy holiday, Super Bowl holiday to you, man. Yes, sir. All right, man. I'll, I'll text you during the game and see if, uh, if if any of the bets that you recommended that I am ultimately going to place hit. <laughs> All right, that's uh, Pat Pickens again. Um, mentioned last week, nobody knows hockey like Pat. And then you bring in. You know, you got to take chances sometimes with these bets. And, and the game day does such a great job laying those things out for you. And it's such an easy website to navigate, which is great. All right. Um, listen, 48 hours, less than 48 hours away from Super Bowl 57, Chiefs, Eagles, right? This is what we get jacked up for, right? Each and every year, the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think this is going to be one of those games. And I, I know everybody's on the Eagle train. I get it. Um, I really do, but I, you know, this, I just, it's hard for me to completely go against Pat Mahomes. It's, it's just hard to do. So again, my pick, I know I'm in the minority. I'm cool with that. Chiefs, 27. Eagles, 24. Little housekeeping before we wrap it up. Again, no show tomorrow. Because I'll be freezing my you-know-what's off. Running a freaking 5K. Man, this is... All I want to do is golf season approaching. Signed up for a lot of tournaments already. Some free, some not free. I don't want to be getting hurt. And I am the king of the stupid injury. So I don't need to be turning an ankle or anything like that. But I'm looking forward to it. Lost about 12 pounds with the running. Actually enjoying it, which is fun. Plus, I'm doing it with my wife, my brother-in-law, my sister. My brother-in-law is not a human being. He does these freaking Iron Mans and this, that. He runs through mud, runs through barbed wire with no shoes on. He, he's an animal in the, in the positive sense. He'll, he'll do this 5K tomorrow in probably 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Something absurd. Me, I did, uh, my goal is to crack 25 minutes. I'm at about an eight-minute mile now, so if I can crack the 25, it'll be a job well done. I haven't seen the track. I haven't seen the layout. Rooting like hell for some downhill. Got to get the downhill. 
Gotta get the pavement. Got the new balances ready to go. Gotta get the pavement. Gotta get downhill. Gotta go football and Brandon Jacobs. Downhill running. Get that? We got a shot to crack 25. Over-under says about 25 and a half. But if I can get, if I can pick up a couple of seconds. As my brother-in-law called negative splits. I had no idea what that was until about four days ago. If I can do that, I got a shot at this. I got a shot. All right. Had the news last week that Tommy Reese, Notre Dame offensive coordinator at the time, was going at the Tuscaloosa to interview for the Alabama OC job. Winds up taking it. So Saban's got a new OC. Marcus Freeman looking to replace Tommy Reese, who had been with the university since 2010. Professional move for Tommy Reese. Obviously wants to be a head coach. Now he's going to get his teeth cut in the SEC. And he'll get a shot to coach against Brian Kelly. I hope Alabama wins that game by 90. So now, what does Notre Dame do? Where do they go from here? Well, the news comes out today that they do have a front runner. And what's interesting is they continue to interview guys. All right, consideration for Ryan Grubb, the, the, the Washington offensive coordinator who turned down Alabama. You heard Byron Leftwich's name floated out there. But you got to figure that he still prefers the NFL. Eagles quarterback coach Brian Johnson had been floated and linked. But if Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator, gets a head coaching job, the natural progression would be for Philadelphia to elevate Brian Johnson, you would think, who's a mastermind with QBs. But now the leader in the clubhouse, according to different sources, is that Notre Dame is reportedly zeroing in on Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator at Utah. I said last week that an interesting option would be Ron Paulus, the old ND quarterback, my favorite athlete of all time, who's still highly involved with the university and the program. The home run hire would be the former LSU play, uh, passing game coordinator and Panthers offensive coordinator, Joe Brady who really came to fame working with Joe Burrow when they won the title in LSU. But if Notre Dame locks up Andy Ludwig to bring his system in, right, it doesn't, what's going to happen here and what Notre Dame wants, what Marcus Freeman wants, is not a complete reworking of the offense. You have the talent in place. You're going to have something of a quarterback battle, though 9.9 out of 10 people believe it's going to be Sam Hartman. The transfer ultimately wins the job with a with a with a role for Tyler Buckner. But what Marcus Freeman wants, you you have what you lean on in the playbook, but there's got to be a little more creativity. And I think you get that with the 58-year-old Ludwig. We know how successful Utah's been with Kyle Whittingham, the head coach, in recent years. Still don't get enough credit. But to bring in an offensive mind like Andy Ludwig, who his name was linked there, you know, got the Toledo head coach Jason Candle, uh, I think would also be a, a great hire. But if if Ludwig is the focus here for ND, I'm in. This is a great hire if it happens. And for all intents and purposes, it looked like it. It looks like it might, and that'll be worth watching 
as the as the days and weeks continue, uh, as Notre Dame gets closer to finding the next offensive coordinator uh, in South Bend. You heard in the open, LeBron got the scoring record. Awesome stuff. Kareem in the house for it, passing the torch, if you will. Great moment. We're going to start getting more into now, folks. Major League Baseball, spring training, the key dates coming up. Pitchers and catchers getting ready. The regular season schedule, we'll get into that as that continues uh, to unravel. And I got a little, a fun little tidbit. You all know how passionate I am about golf. I love it. There's nothing better. You're outside, God's light, fresh air. It's awesome. I had really no problem. Like, I wasn't going to criticize the live golf stuff for where the money was coming from, right? Not to get political, but, you know, you, you have people in this country that have taken money from some questionable areas, and now we're going to hammer a new golf league from where their money's coming from. Report comes out the other day, however, because I'm just not a fan. I don't like the 54-hole nonsense that they want to get official world golf points, and they're only playing 54 versus the tour in Europe, 72. I, that's nonsense to me. The team aspect is, to me, it's it's a little uh, middle schooly. I don't like, it, whatever. You want to go get paid, go get paid. But you don't have to act all high and mighty. Report comes out earlier in the week that Live Golf is barely breaking even. Now, at first glance, I'm like, eh, that's, man, they struggled to get the TV deal before they inked with the, the CW or whatever it is. You give these guys exorbitant paychecks what the hell did you think was going to happen? And I know out there, the, 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 the Saudi back league, they have the tons of money. But eventually, it's going to run out. So I, I, I guess I'm not as surprised as, as I thought I was to learn that Live Golf, during its inaugural season, barely broke even. And, and, and to me, what, what, is, what, is, what, what I really struggle with from focus about the game, the purity of golf, you know, I think, unfortunately, the players who made this move to live generally aren't going to care about exposure and fan engagement so long as they keep receiving these absurd monster paychecks. Right, wrong, or indifferent, I think that's the truth. They're just not going to care. Those listening live, Rangers just went up uh, 2-0 on a Capo Caco goal in the first period against Seattle. Uh, better than an expected Seattle team, but the Rangers playing good brand of hockey lately. Uh, yeah, but as far as the live golf thing, I, I don't know that, that that there is going to be sustainability here. I mean, you, you hear all these guys hammering Greg Norman. They can't all be wrong, folks. Something's off there, and I, I, I'm just not into it. I don't like the petty bickering back and forth, but I understand where a lot of these guys are coming from. I do. I get it. So obviously a great week in sports with the Super Bowl coming up. Sunday, 6.30 kick on the East Coast. Games out in Arizona. Eagles Chiefs. LeBron gets the record. Joe Klecko, Darrell Revis, Rondé Barber announced as the next members of the Professional Football Hall of Fame. Fun week. So with this being the last show before the football season comes to an end, what's on tap moving forward? Well, obviously, plenty of hockey. We got some big guests scheduled to come on, talk MLB, NBA, and my personal favorite, college hoops. Five best teams I've seen to this point in the season, and I know they've had their fair share of ups and downs throughout. Purdue, 
Houston, Alabama, UCLA, and Arizona. We're getting to the point, and we'll continue to talk about this as we continue to go, where conference tournament time's coming up. Outside of my own top five, I got some teams that you really should keep an eye on come tournament time. And I'll break this down as we go. Because March, if you're a college hoops fan, man, is it the best time of the year. Cannot dismiss Rutgers. After last season's fun run, looking to take it even further. Steve Peichel doing a hell of a job out there. Kansas State really has proven it can play with the best in its league and the country this year. NC State is rolling. And they are a fun team to watch offensively. And you you can't ever count out Tony Bennett in Virginia, right? They're a legit top 7 to 10 team. Play defense, score when they need to. Creighton was one of those teams early on, that top 10 perennial team. Uh, Doug McDermott, his name has actually been linked to the Notre Dame job that's going to open at season's end when Mike Bray steps away after 23 years. That would be interesting. I like the Creighton starting five. They can create matchup nightmares. Probably not the season they expected with some of the ups and downs they've had, but that's a good team. That's a team you don't want to see in March. Same with Auburn, Indiana, and a really good Iowa State team. And there's going to be plenty to discuss as far as college basketball is concerned. Consensus number one right now, Purdue. And then my, my, my favorite team that I've enjoyed watching, I'm a Notre Dame fan. They're freaking horrendous this year. But Houston. They've got nearly five players averaging double figures. This kid, Marcus Sasser, if, folks, if you haven't seen him play, you got to watch this kid play basketball. Unbelievable intelligence on the floor. A general, two-way player, and man, is he quick with that ball in his hands. Alabama's got a kid, Brandon Miller, one of the best rebounders in the country and pure scorers in the country as well. So it's going to be fun. Plenty to talk about moving forward. This was a hell of a week in sports, and this was a hell of a program. Special thanks, obviously, to my buddy Pat Pickens from the game day for coming on, talking a little Rangers. Obviously, you get the big Tarasenko trade. The Knicks make the big trade for Josh Hart earlier in the week. I like that trade. Going to make his debut in the next couple of days. And we're obviously going to keep an eye on that as we move forward. Bruce Shine, the great Bruce Shine coming on, talking about the Super Bowl breaking down some of the Giants' offseason plans as it relates to Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and then his thoughts on the MLB Hall of Fame. We basically disagreed on everything, but that's what this is about, right? Sports, man, it's beautiful. And this platform has been beautiful. The listeners have been beautiful. The success of this podcast is not mine. It is yours, and I greatly appreciate it all. For this to continue to take off, could not have done it without you. So, no show tomorrow for those listening live. I'll be pumping my arms and legs in the 5K in the freezing cold in New Jersey. I will be back on the air in the usual 11 a.m. East Coast time on Saturday, February 18th. NBA, NHL, we got some big guests coming up, and we'll talk about all of that. Folks, enjoy the Super Bowl. Eagles, Chiefs, get your bets in. Get your wings. I think it's going to be a great game, and I hope it's a great game as well. And I hope you all enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in on this very special primetime edition of Sports Today with Peter J. I will talk to you all next week. Sports Today with Peter J.